0: Good morning, First Family. I hope you still have your Bible open to the book of Amos. Some of you might have struggled with finding Amos and might have needed the table of contents to help you get there. Well, if that's you, bless you. Praise the Lord for looking. It is an opportunity to explore the Bible in a new way. And our friend Amos doesn't get near enough attention for the prophecy that the Lord granted him. Let's talk for a second about Amos speaking God's truth. Now, when we present this today, we're just going to tackle those first five chapters. But there's four more that follow it. If you want to spend a very pleasant afternoon, don't read Amos. Let's just pause right there, all right? It is a hard word, but it is a word that is from the Lord to people that are living in a difficult time. I want to pause before we get to the outline. And take up something that I didn't include. I have to send it away early in the week, and preparation sometimes takes a mind of its own. Well, as I got ready to come to you today, I realized we need to talk a little bit about Amos himself. What makes him so special that he gets a book? Is it because he founded the Chocolate Chip Company, famous Amos chocolate chip cookies? I don't think that's him, but it might be. Or is it because he is so uniquely qualified? Well, I don't think that's true either. All we really know about him is in verse 1 of chapter 1. If you have your Bible open, still turn over there with me. This is what the word of the Lord says about Amos in chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Amos, who was among the sheepherders from Tekoa, which he saw in visions concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah king of Judah, In the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. So he's tipping us off a little bit about the time frame when he lives, about 750, 775 B.C. And he's also telling us about his occupation. He's a shepherd, a rancher. So automatically, we know this, God did not call him because he smelled good. Anybody that has ever worked around livestock can tell you animals have their own unique flavor. Let's call it that. My friend Leanne is sitting over here, and she knows something about livestock. She will tell you they bring their own flavor to the conversation. When we see Amos then, what qualifications do we see that would make him one gifted in this area? Well, look as hard as you like, and you won't find any. Here's what I want to start with today, friends. It's not about Amos. When we read this book, let us reflect on the fact that God spoke these words through Amos. God spoke these words to Amos, but they were not for Amos. It wasn't for him to hog and hold on to. It wasn't something that he sought out. It was simply that God chose for whatever reason God had in his sovereignty to speak this word to Amos. Now, let's shift the focus of the camera for a moment from Amos to ourselves. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, Darren, I, I, I'm so grateful for what you do, but I know that God can never use me. I've done too much. I've gone too far. And it's as if people have loaded this box with all the reasons that God can't or shouldn't use them and they carry it before the Lord and they dump it out before him and they say, Look, God, at all this mess, all these reasons that you can't use me or that you shouldn't use me, to that I want to call your attention back to Amos. If God can use a shepherd from Tekoa, why can't he use you from Midland? Could it be that God, in his wisdom, in his sovereignty, in his grace, in his mercy, has called you to share his word just like he did Amos? Now, maybe not in the same way, but certainly with the same energy, with the same passion, with the same enthusiasm, and called by the same God. Let's just pause here and pray. That God will make that clear in each of our lives. Pray with me. I'm so grateful, Lord Jesus, for Amos. I'm grateful that it wasn't about his pedigree, his training, anything that he had done or hadn't done. It's just that you wanted him, that you called him, and you set him aside for your purposes, and you used him to that end. Lord, forgive us for limiting you and saying you can't use us because of whatever, or that you shouldn't use us because of whatever. We surrender that notion today, Lord. We leave it behind us because it doesn't benefit you or your kingdom, and it sure doesn't benefit us. So today, Lord Jesus, let us take the word of Amos, let it speak boldly into our lives, and let us find you. In you, Jesus, who you want us to be, just like Amos did. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, friends, here we go with the story of Amos. When you read from chapter one, verse two, down through the end of chapter, the end of chapter two, then you find that through Amos, God spoke correction to the nations. Now, if you have a study Bible then your study Bible probably has headings over the sections that are dealing with each of the nations. And if you are one who is a student of history, then you can look through there and you'll find that he starts with judgment for the Gentile nations. Moab, Edom, Philistine, the nations that are outside of the covenant of God. And when our friend Amos is uttering these, he is telling these not only to the Gentile nations, but in the hearing of the people of God in Israel and Judah. Let's just talk about the Gentile nations for a moment, because when the proclamation against the Gentile nations is going on, how do you think Israel and Judah are receiving it? Go, God. Get them. Sick them, God. Go get those guys. They deserve it. Give them a double portion. Don't let them get away with anything. Judgment was coming for them. The judgment was also coming for Judah, and for Israel. Pause for a moment and let's remind ourselves of something I said last week. You'll remember that after King Solomon died and his son Rehoboam rose to the king, that there became a division between the nation. Israel was broken into two. The northern kingdom, ten tribes went to the north and became Israel. The southern kingdom, that which is around Jerusalem, became the nation of Judah. And so when God is proclaiming judgment on his own people, in Israel and Judah, he's doing it over everything that we would call today Israel. Now, when God is telling them all the things he's going to do to the Gentile nations, the people are celebrating. But when he turns the attention to Israel and Judah, can you imagine how disappointed they were? Now, wait a minute, God, you are fully within your rights to go get those Gentiles But hey, we're your people. Remember us? We're the ones in the covenant. Yeah. Their argument was, at least we're worshiping the living God. Friends, let me tell you, that's on par with saying, I believe in God. Believing in God is a good start. But even the demons believe in God. You don't have to do anything to believe in God. Believing in God is not the same thing as trusting God. And that's what God really wanted. So these people, these of Israel and Judah, they had made some significant mistakes. Let's talk about them for a minute. Because it's the key reason that they are finding judgment falling upon them. Their land was filled with idols. They had things that were... Small gods, little g gods, that they would fall down and they would worship and they would ascribe honor and they would ascribe power to it. And they say, Oh, little g god, make it rain, make it stop raining, make the sun shine, make the sun stop shining, give me children, don't give me any more children. These things were things they were praying to these little g gods, who are in fact no god at all. You might say, Well, we're smarter than that. Are we? You know, and I'll be the first to admit, it's me, there's an altar in my house that I fall down to far too often. It's about 55 inches diagonally, and it carries with it the airwaves from all kinds of entertainment sources around the world. And it might as well be a place that I fall down and kneel to every every day, every day, friends, May we be wiser than they. Don't let entertainment, don't let your own selfishness become something that causes you to ignore the law of God. That was the mistake they made. The only time they didn't ignore the law of God is when it was to their advantage, when they could get something out of it. Their belief was, falsely, that God owed them, owed them peace and prosperity Simply because they were born his people. God wanted more. And so, God, at the end of chapter 2, proclaims judgment upon them for three key reasons. They were being judged because, one, they practiced injustice. Supported by the supremely wealthy, the rich were actually suing the poor forcing them into slavery and servitude. This was common practice in Israel and Judah, despite the fact the law of God, in the first five books of the Old Testament, what we call the Torah, the law, expressly forbade that very thing. They practiced injustice. Not only did they practice injustice, they were practicing immorality. Not only did they practicing immorality, they were endorsing it despite God's call to purity. Oh, friends, let's pause here for a second and say we live in an immoral culture, an immoral culture. The immorality around us is profligate. It's everywhere we look. Can't swing a dead cat without hitting it. And let me tell you something. If we allow ourselves into that and to be caught up in our culture and to be caught up saying, well, it's okay because everybody else is doing it. God won't judge all of us, will he? The answer is yes, he will. Don't allow yourself to think that immorality, just because everybody is doing it, is okay. God calls us to purity, my friends. Let me say that one more time. God calls us to purity. Now, you might say, but purity is hard, Darren. Isn't it though? It's like trying to eat Italian food while wearing a white shirt. It's tough to stay clean. But friends, the call to purity is a call that God has placed on each of our lives, just like he had theirs. He longs for us to trust him enough to be pure, even if we live in a culture that isn't. This third reason they were being judged, it wasn't just that they were practicing injustice, wasn't just that they were practicing immorality, it's that they were practicing idolatry. Instead of worshiping the only true God, they were worshiping the one true God and others. They were hedging their bets, you might say, and they led that led them this plurality to what we call syncretism. Syncretism, it's a great word. It means putting together things that don't belong. It's a little like the video on YouTube and I encourage you to look at it it's copyrighted so we couldn't use it this morning. Will it blend? Will it blend? Write it down. You'll be glad you did later. Will it blend? And so here's what they do. They've got a 5 horsepower blender and if you don't know anything about blenders, that's a really really strong blender. And they put a super duper blade on it with a great big hopper. And then they take random things and they put them in the blender, put the lid on it and press the button. Will it blend? Let me just give you a short version. The answer is almost always yes. Yes, my favorite one. Will it blend, an iPhone? Let's plug it in and see what happens. You know what happens to an iPhone when you put it in a blender? It becomes dust. Okay, now that we've gone that far, what about a pool cue? You might say, what did that have to do with an iPhone? Nothing, except will it blend? Let's put it in the blender too. So we unscrew the little hole on the top and we shove it down in there. And guess what? It will blend too. And then what about a video game? Case and all. Put it in there. Let's see what happens. And guess what? It will blend too. And you know what you have when you get all that? A lot of trash. You've ruined all three of them. And that's what syncretism does when you try to blend things with God. It ruins not only the other things, but your walk with the Lord too. When you start taking these disparate pieces and you add them in to what God has said, then you're automatically destroying all of them. You might not see it for a while, but I'm telling you, friends, this kind of thinking will lead to your destruction. Worship is reserved for the only God. We said it a minute ago, you're worthy of it all. The angels know that. Those saints that have preceded us know that. When we get to heaven, we will too. But while we're here, we get to do something that the angels can't. Worship God of our own free will. Today, friends, I want you to recognize God is calling us to leave behind the idolatry of our age. Now, it wasn't always this way for the nations of Israel and Judah. No, when they came out of Egypt... When they were led through the wilderness, when they arrived in this great land, they had their covenant and they kept it. They conquered the land because God preserved them. They'd seen peace and prosperity as God had carried them through. But now, now that peace and prosperity had come, they didn't need God. They could do it all alone. That's why chapter 2 ends with an ominous note of judgment. There's trouble on the horizon, friends, and it's of your own making. That's the message that Amos brings. Now, in chapter three, an interesting thing happens. Instead of responding to what Amos has said, they push back against the messenger. Well, who died and made you the boss of the world? They come straight at Amos and they say, We don't like what you're saying. Who do you think you are? I want you to see verse 3. When the people asked Amos, who are you? God answered for him. Oh, man. Have you ever knocked on the wrong door and been surprised when the wrong person answered? If that's happened to you, then understand that's what's happening here. They were knocking on Amos' door. But God himself answered, when people asked Amos, who are you? God answered for him. Oh, friends, make no mistake about it. They came after Amos, but God said, no, this is my word. This moment of clarity led both them and Amos to the conclusion he couldn't help but speak what God had laid on his heart. They don't know how to do right, God declared, so their judgment and their opinion is invalid what does all this mean it means this friends God does not call us to popularity he calls us to faithfulness we'd like to have both I mean after all who wouldn't we'd like to be well liked and we'd like to be faithful to God oh that we could always put those two together but I want to tell you my friends Beloved family, if we can only choose one, let us be faithful to the God who called us. Because only one is going to stand the test of time, and it's not others. It's God himself. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to recognize when these people come after you, when they knock on your door demanding to know who sent you with this message, you can give them the same answer that Amos did. The Lord God has spoken. This is not just what I think. It's what God has said. Now, if we jump down to chapter 5, my friend Fred read it so well just a little while ago. If we jump down down to chapter 5, then here's what we'll find. When the people heard this, God offered them a direction on how to avoid the storm. You ever been on an airplane trip and had to fly around a storm? Man, I remember one, we were flying from Dallas back here to Midland. We must have flown halfway to Canada before we turned around and came right back around. I don't know how far north we went. We were way up there before we turned around and came south, back to, to Midland. Not that I'm complaining about rain in Midland. Let's just pause right there. God send it in abundance. But the whole point is we were trying to avoid the storm, weren't we? When the people heard this, God offered them a direction. It had been cruel for God to send Amos with these words, Without providing them a lifeline, I want to give you God's lifeline for receiving truth. It's right there in chapter 5. It's not hard to see, but it might be challenging to use. When God is speaking to the people, He gives them these elements, and it starts with hear God's word. Now, hearing God's word is easy. You've already done that. That's the biological, anatomical process of letting sound waves bounce off of the eardrums inside your head. It means that you are simply willing to let that occur physiologically. But hearing it is not the same as listening to it. Hearing it means recognizing that what goes into my ears must find its way to my heart. Hearing the word of the Lord. This is one of the reasons that I encourage you so frequently to let the word of God be something that you take time in every day. Now, is every day a wonderful blessing in what you read? Well, some days maybe not as much as others. But hearing the Word of God will change your life. I believe that wholeheartedly. If I didn't, I wouldn't do what I'm doing. You see, the first step toward revival and renewal is to let God's Word speak into your life and to respond to it. Reality is, when our friend Amos is speaking this, let's call it 750 B.C., rough number, the northern kingdom is less than 30 years from collapse. It's like Amos is standing there with two red flags in his hand, and he's waving them, and the sign behind him says, Bridge out, stop. And Amos is waving these red flags to say, Hey, friends, don't go any further. There's no hope for you ahead. Stop here and turn around. Repent. God is calling you to himself. They rush past him, and when they do, they find that, guess what? The bridge is out, and that God's judgment has fallen. In 722 B.C., the Assyrian king rolls over the entire northern kingdom and takes them into captivity. It's a sad reality. Now, you would think... That the southern kingdom would see that and say, hey, we're not going to let that happen to us. And that's true for just over a century. But in 586 BC, the southern kingdom falls too. And just like the northern kingdom, it is their unwillingness to listen to God's counsel, to receive God's word, to hear God's call on their lives that leads them to, to this destruction so the first lifeline hear God's word here's the second one it goes right along with the first one seek the Lord it's one thing to understand and receive God's word it's another thing to pursue after God to go on a path that leads to his throne Well, you're doing that right here and right now, and we're grateful for that. Blessings on every one of you who are here listening to this. This is a part of seeking the Lord. But the reality is, He doesn't just want you on Sunday. He wants you every day of the week. I want you to imagine that we... Uh, have a toolbox up here, and in that toolbox are all the different things and all the different ways that we've tried to fix ourselves and we've tried to repair ourselves and and the, the ways we've tried to put ourselves back together. And on this other side is not a toolbox, but rather the author of all that is who comes to us and says, if you'll seek me, then I'll put all the right pieces back together. But you can only choose the toolbox or me. Not both. What God longs for you to do today is recognize that this toolbox is Satan's ploy to keep you busy but not productive. And what the Lord wants for you is to sit in his presence and find some things that you can't find anywhere else. Let's talk about a couple of them. One, life is found in God's presence and nowhere else. The author of life, go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and you'll see it there. All existence occurs because God wills it into being. Not only that, according to John chapter 1, Jesus, who was there at the beginning, came for the very purpose of recreating life within each of us. John 3, he talks about being born a second time. Can I tell you today, my friends, life is found In God's presence and nowhere else. That brings us to the second thing. Spiritual blessings come for those who seek God. Now, this might sound a little arrogant, like all I want from God is what he can give me. All the blessings that I want will only come if I seek him. Well, That might have some merit, might have some bearing, but instead of that, what I really want you to see is that if I'm with God, if I'm seeking God, then the blessings he's already promised me in his word are there. And so he's just fulfilling the promise that he made to me to bless me. Today, friends, recognize that spiritual blessings come for those who seek God. This last portion is really the reason that Amos' book exists at all. It's an explanation also of the book of Revelation. Judgment is coming. Prepare now. Just like Amos with those red flags waving them as if to say, Stop, stop, stop. There's no hope ahead. Jesus is declaring that to you today. Satan longs for you to think you can press ahead and it's no big deal. But God longs for you to recognize that judgment is coming. Turn around now. Prepare accordingly. Finally, in Amos 5, verses 7 to 15, seek the good. Hate what is evil and seek what is good. How might you do that? Well, in those verses, there are at least four things that we can do to promote that. One, promote justice. This means actively be engaged in that. The best example I have of this is Martin Luther King, Jr., In a speech in the early sixties, he said, The arc of God's justice, the the ark of God's history bends toward justice. This book of Amos was one that our friend Martin Luther King Jr. used frequently. He didn't have everything right, but he got this much right. Promoting justice reflects the God who will make it all right. Now maybe, maybe you've been faced with a situation kind of like we have been in the last recent days where you've been falsely accused, where somebody came out of the woodwork with a bizarre and foolish accusation that has turned your world upside down. If that's you, then understand this. Our God will balance the scales. He will make it right. When that happened to us, the first thing I thought of was Exodus 14. Maybe you don't remember that passage as well as I do. In Exodus 14, our friend Moses has led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Pharaoh's army is hot on his heels, and he's trapped now between the Red Sea in front of him and Pharaoh's army behind him. What's he going to do? How is God going to make this right? Hmm. Exodus 14, the word of the Lord, spoken through Moses, says this, Stand still and see the deliverance of your God. Stand still and see the deliverance of your God. It's not up to you. Promoting justice doesn't necessarily require you to jump up and down and proclaim your innocence as much as it does trust God who will make it right. Today, friends, when you have opportunity to promote justice, then do it. But if you're one who's been falsely accused, leave it in the hands of God. Here's a second piece to that. Rebuke those who do wrong. Now, in our modern culture, that's hard to do. Because to do so means that you recognize there are some things that are wrong. Well, let me tell you, friends, there are some things that are wrong. They always will be. And it won't be popular to call them out. When you recognize them as wrong and you rebuke them, there will be people who will come after you. And they will say, ah, who are you? You're intolerant, you're mean-spirited, you're angry, you're a bigot. Friends, there are some things that are wrong. Standing with God and declaring them so doesn't make you anything but His. Stand firmly in God and seek the good. This third one, care for the poor. That's something that we're doing right here today this very moment, right outside these walls, in the common areas on both sides, are little bags, bags that are designed for our Baptist Crisis Center over on Florida Boulevard, bags that are supposed to contain hygiene kits, little toiletry bags, if you will. And what we're encouraging you to do is go out of here, pick up one of those bags, fill it, and bring it back to us next Sunday so we can give it to the Crisis Center. Now, if you've never volunteered with the Crisis Center, and you want to, oh, come tell me. We'll find a chance for you to serve because it's a great opportunity to be reminded. Let me tell you, friends, not everyone in Midland is the same. Not everybody in Midland is the same. There are some of our friends right here in Midland who are struggling, and I don't just mean paycheck to paycheck. I mean below that. That's why we participate in some other things like this coming Saturday we're partnering with my friend Dennis Hodge pastor at Mount Moriah Church down on Calhoun with a back-to-school event where they're giving away backpacks and helping kids get ready for school it's exciting the only gripe I have with Dennis is that he's a San Francisco 49er fan if I could talk him out of that we'd have something I've tried to cast that demon out of him a couple of times and it hasn't worked yet But I want to tell you, friends, caring for the poor, it reflects God's passion for the same. This last one, where we'll close, it's one we won't ever really close, because it's the one that, in my opinion, is the original sin, the opposite of it anyway. That last piece that Amos calls for, seek humility. The original sin is pride, and if we're going to find ourselves, if we're going to find ourselves on the opposite side of that fence, we're going to have to seek humility. It will not be found on its own. It's not going to fall on us out of the sky. It's something that we must go looking for, and let me tell you, friends, if we go looking for it, we are sure to find it. Now it comes to you. These things, these are the things that Amos would say to us in 21st century Midland, Texas. He would say, hear God's word, seek the Lord, seek the good. These are the things that will lead us to life, lead us to truth, lead us to hope. Now I want to turn it back to you. See, the people in Amos' day, they heard these things and rejected them. They said, no, that's not for us. We're going to press on and do our own thing. What about you? You see, we have something on Amos. We have a leg up, if you will, and that is this, Jesus. He lived 750 years before the time of Christ. We live 2,000 years after the time of Christ. The redemptive blood of Christ shed on the cross means that your sin has already been paid for. The mistakes that you have made and the ones you will make, they have been redeemed. You are released from the burden of it. So I want to ask you, friends, what will you do with that? Will you hog it for yourself or will you be willing to share that with others? Will you receive it for yourself? Maybe you never have. Well, here's a good day to do so. What we want to invite you to do is when we stand up to sing, if it's you that says, I need that release from my past, I need A freedom. I need the joy that only Jesus can bring me. And I want you to meet me right down here and let's talk about it. It's a good day to find freedom like that. Maybe, just maybe, you've already done that, but you've not done anything about it. The first step of Christian obedience is baptism. So here's what I want you to do. If you'd say, I've never been baptized, then I want you to come down and talk with me about how we can make that happen. Maybe, just maybe, you've already done that, and you've just kind of wandered off. You've forgotten what God did for you, and like the people in Amos' time, you have gotten distracted. There's good news today. God allows U-turns. Maybe you need to come to this altar and pray for such of a U-turn. Maybe you need to come pray for a friend who is struggling. Maybe you need to come as a family... And pray about a struggle that you're in the middle of right now. Whatever it is, these steps are open for you. They're not just a way to get to the platform. They're a place for you to fall on your face before God and say, Lord, I need you. This is the day God has given you for making a decision. What will you do with it? Let's pray together. I'm grateful, Lord, that you, and your mercy, have called me to yourself and that you've given me the chance to start over. Like Amos, there wasn't anything in me that would make you say, oh yeah, that's the guy. And Like Amos, we've all struggled there, Lord. But like Amos, we all have heard the opportunity you've given us today to a fresh start. So my prayer is that we would embrace it. I pray for those who need to respond today, Lord. Give them freedom to step out from where they are. The courage to come down here and say Jesus, meet me there. I'm grateful, Lord, for the opportunity you've given us to call on you. May we be wiser than those that Amos spoke to. And thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're going to do. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.